And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Yeah. All real man. Love is, is love. too weak a word. Stay back. I, I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to... Parasite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia. Time of recording, 11.26 a.m. on April 5th, 2020. Joining me today uh, to talk about everything that's going on in our quarantine lives is Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Lauren LaMagna. Stay strong, guys. Bianca Gardner. All work and no play makes be a dull girl. <laughs> and Dan Bear. <laughs> What day is it? <laughs> Five weeks? Two days? <laughs> Two days? <laughs> How long have we been on this rock? <laughs> uh, we can make that joke every week. It'll never get old. <laughs> uh, well, in all seriousness, though, um, I want to cut across the uh, laughter here just for a brief second to uh, take a moment to acknowledge um, that every week uh, we're trying to do our best out here to um, provide you all with uh, this show to hopefully lighten the mood bring you all a little bit uh, closer to our um, to our circle and, you know, just p- kind of have that level of connectivity and joy uh, that you guys uh, experience every time you listen to us every week. So we, I really, really do appreciate the feedback that we have received over the last couple of weeks. And I want you all to know that it does not go unnoticed. And I want you all to know that another thing that doesn't go unnoticed is the, the acknowledgement of the severity of everything that is happening out there. Um, if you have lost a loved one or if somebody is sick friends family whatever it might be uh, we want you all to know that we are thinking about you during these really really challenging and unprecedented times and also a huge huge shout out to all of the people that work in the healthcare space that are on the front lines putting their own lives at risk to uh, hopefully help people that really really need it and get them to recover uh, from this really really awful pandemic so our hearts and our thoughts go out to all of them uh during this time we've got a great show for you guys today uh we're gonna play a really really fun game that a fan actually recommended to us we're gonna answer some of your questions as well that you all sent in we're gonna talk about uh some of the changes that are taking place uh within hollywood as well as a result of the coronavirus pandemic and we're also now going to go around and ask everyone uh, what they've been watching this week. So let's start off with that. Michael, what have you been uh, catching up at home over the last week? Yeah, so I've seen a good amount this past week. I started off with uh, a documentary on Amazon Prime called Every Active Life, which is about the wonderful playwright Terrence McNally. We just lost him to COVID-19 about a week and a half ago. But this is just a wonderful examination of who he was as a writer and a person, Uh four-time Tony winner. He wrote Love, Valor, Compassion, Masterclass. He did the book for Kiss of the Spider Woman, Ragtime in the Rink. Just a wonderful Broadway legend, and this was a great way to uh, pay tribute to him. I watched that. I also watched the Disney Plus live-action remake of Lady and the Tramp. 
the original Lady and the Tramp is one of my favorite Disney classics, and this was fine. You know, obviously it doesn't hold a candle to the original, but, you know, the dogs are cute, and, you know, it wasn't a bad way to spend some time under quarantine. Uh, middle of the week, I pay tribute to Adam Schlesinger. I can't talk. Schlesinger, who we lost to uh, COVID-19. Yeah. Wonderful songwriter. Uh, he wrote That Thing You Do, the song from the movie That Thing You Do. And I watched that movie for the first time. What did you think? Oh, I, of course, it's, you know, adorable. And the song is really catchy. And, you know, Tom Hanks is a charming person who makes charming movies. So that was enjoyable. And then keeping up with the feel-good trend, I also watched uh, Sister Act this weekend just to get something light and fun going. That's on Disney+. Plus. And, yeah, it was a good time. So lots of light stuff on the film end. But over on the TV front, I've been watching some heavier fare, like the plot against America and Ozark, little fires everywhere. So it's nice to have that balance. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, it's uh, been interesting over the last uh, couple of weeks, too, to see also not just stuff that you can watch at home that maybe you're catching up on that you haven't seen before, but also to some of these new VOD releases as well, which I know when I uh, kick it over to uh, Dan Baer, um, I know he's been uh, diving pretty headfirst into a lot of that. So actually, um, why not just use that as a nice transition? <laughs> Dan Baer, uh, what have you been catching up at home this week? Um, well, I've actually been doing more TV than anything else. I find that like I can't... I don't want to be sitting for too long in front of the TV, so I try to just, because uh, I'm sitting all the time at my desk doing work or playing video games or whatever, and just like, I need to, the feeling like I can get up and move around, so I'm generally tending to watch things in shorter spurts, um, but I did, um, I watched uh, Shaun of the Dead this week, shout out to our most recent podcast mm -hmm. review, which was a lot of fun to watch and record with uh, Matt and B. And a shout out to uh, the fan trivia underscore yes. chick who did the Photoshop oh, of so myself, <laughs> Bianca and Dan on the poster for Shaun of the Dead. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing ever <laughs> so cool. i love it so much um yes thank you thank you thank you thank you that's amazing um and i watched uh the other lamb which was a movie that i missed at toronto uh last fall and heard good things about and it definitely lives up to uh what hype i had heard um absolutely fantastic uh, so atmospheric and just really incredible. I highly recommend catching it on VOD. It's everywhere. Um, really, really good, really interesting movie. And the cinematography is incredible. Nice. And um, and just to have something on in the background. Um, the other day I turned on my cousin Vinny, which is always good for a laugh. Oh, my God. So funny, Marissa. I, 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 Marissa, I, I will defend that Oscar win to the death. She deserved it. Pause attraction. <laughs> Can't make those marks without pause attraction. My <laughs> clock is ticking like this, and I don't know if I'm ever gonna get married, Lisa. I don't need this. I swear to God, I don't need this right now. Like <laughs> I, I quote that movie all the time. <laughs> It's incredible. It's so good. The comic timing is amazing. But I got to say, whenever Marissa Tomei is not on screen, that movie is of 
Um, let's just say very questionable quality. Product of its time, I will say. <laughs> it is like loud and cartoonish and n- just not it's slightly embarrassing, but like she is so good. So, so good. And like the rare comic performance that won an Oscar and totally deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, uh, let's kick it now over to Lauren. Lauren, what do you got for us this week? I've been mostly catching up with films that I've missed, so I've been taking advantage of the videos on demand. I saw The Gentleman earlier this week, which was a lot... I thought it was a lot funnier and more entertaining than I thought it would be. So that was something my brother really enjoyed that. Um, on Netflix, I saw Lost Girls, which was about um, the Long Island serial killer. And I grew up on Long Island. And I remember reading those newspapers and seeing those pictures. And it's really about how the police didn't really investigate as much because the victims were um, sex workers. So I thought using that point of view was really interesting, especially since I haven't heard about the case, which is still technically ongoing. We, the police never arrested anyone for the deaths of these girls so it was really cool to and interesting to hear the story again and realize that anything can happen in your own neighborhood and a shout out to uh amy ryan as -hmm. well who is an actress i don't think gets the uh praise and love that Mm -hmm. she deserves yes and then the other day um never rarely sometimes always came on video on demand yes I've heard everything since Sundance about how you must see it, and if you must pay the $20 for one movie, this is the one. Eliza Hitman, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's so hard to tell such a truthful and powerful story, and she does, and it's great, and she uses silence so well, and there are scenes that demand your attention, and you just look, and you empathize, and you connect, and she doesn't say much, but she says everything within everything it's a phenomenal film please guys if you need are spending the 20 bucks for one movie please have it be this one i agree completely it's by far i think the best film uh from q1 of 2020 and i think it is a film that will definitely be be remembered come end of year especially for a lot of critics groups because uh sydney flanagan especially as a breakthrough actress is unbelievably good in this movie as well um, just that scene, you know, the, the title scene, uh, Lauren, it just, mm-hmm. wow. That, like, floored me. Yeah. And then the scene with her and her friend, it was just, like, it's such a timely film, and it shows a very specific experience of a young girl that happens a lot more than we think, and even though it's a controversial topic, it's told so well and so eloquently, and it's not a perfect film, but it's near perfect. And everyone, please watch it. All righty. Bianca, what do you got? Um, so I've taken this as like a opportunity to do my uh, bees bucket list, which is all the films that Ooh. I should have seen but haven't seen yet. So there's a classics on there from ranging from all sorts. You know, there's Top Gun on there, <laughs> ranging to, to the more sort of uh, Tokyo story and, you know, uh, more prestigious films uh, so so far from that list uh, which has 200 films on it so hopefully I get through it uh, uh, although uh, you know it would be great if we could 
leave quarantine soon, but I might be able to get through 200 movies by a time that we we get to go outside properly. Um, I saw Duck Soup, which was fantastic. The Marx Brothers. I mean, uh, that film came out in 1933 and it's still funny today. Yeah, um, the mirror scene. I love that scene so much. I was laughing so so hard. Um, I watched a Mae West film, She Done Him Wrong, featuring a a very young Cary Grant. Um, I watched The Big Heat and White Heat as well. Uh, Both films were brilliant. (laughs) Next up is Heat with Robert De Niro and (laughs) Al Pacino. All the heat, all the heat. Um, (laughs) And then Body Heat to follow. You are having the best week and I love it. Uh, Yeah, I also watched All About Eve and The Apartment, which were both Oh my God. What? (laughs) Talk about a double bill of perfection. (laughs) Yeah, so good. So I'm really, if anyone wants to suggest any films that, I mean, I've seen quite a lot of classic films, but there are always some that I just, I haven't even watched Gone with the Wind. I mean, I've got these like, (laughs) these like out. The time, girl. Vivian Lee demands that you watch her on screen for three and a half hours i know there's no excuses now i have nowhere else to go so i've got to uh, you know i've got the time to commit to these long long films uh so in my in my case um b i can't i can't wait to uh follow uh you know your your progression through all those films because i'm sure there are some in there where i i just can't wait to hear your thoughts uh but for myself I've been slacking a little bit in terms of watching content, uh, mostly because uh, <laughs> bad timing. Uh, we had work done in our apartment uh, over the last uh, two weeks. So I, I've been uh, struggling to uh, find time because mostly in my free time, I've been either editing a podcast or doing something for my day job or working on the apartment. So it's been difficult to find time to actually watch content. Um, but I did uh, watch Shaun of the Dead, which, as Dan said, podcast review, um, up and running with myself, uh, him, and Bianca. I also um, reorganized my uh, Blu-ray collection uh, most recently, and in the process of doing so, I discovered that my roommate had never seen Titanic before, and I was in shock, and so I told him we need to devote the time three hours and 14 minutes to watch this <laughs> as one show. and we and we did um many many uh white claws later um <laughs> he didn't like the movie as much uh he liked the technicals didn't like the screenplay and i respect that opinion i know there were a lot of people that feel that way about the movie i get it um it still works for me i think james horner's score is such an all-timer that every time i watch the movie i cry a little bit because that score just elicits such powerful emotion from me so good uh yeah no i i loved it i, I still love it to this day Same. and it's just such a big on-screen epic the likes of which we just don't get anymore and you know, you have stuff like The Irishman that's more reminiscent of, like, epics like The Godfather Part Two, maybe, or something like that. But in terms of just sheer size and scale, um, I, I, I long for the days of something like A Return of the King, Titanic, um, Lawrence of Arabia, you know, like those kinds of big on-screen epics. Gone with the Wind. Bianca. In any event, uh, that was pretty much my movie watching. Uh, very, very lack, uh, very, very lacking. But I'm hoping over uh, the next week or so I can up that a notch. And um, part of the way that I think I'm going to be able to do that is 
there's been a lot of really, really cool developments over the last week or two in regards to uh, some of the film festivals that uh, were supposed to be taking place. South by Southwest, for example, has recently announced a partnership with Amazon Prime Video where they will be streaming the movies from South by Southwest uh, for free because they say that they want audience members to uh, see these movies get the platform that they deserve. So that was a really, really, really exciting development for sure. And one which I know of then a lot of other uh, film festivals are going to be uh, utilizing probably as well as this continues because they're right. There's a lot of movies out there that are going to be struggling to get seen. And it's unfortunate. Um, you know, nobody wants to see all these independent films become like new mutants where they're delayed for years and years and years. And, who knows whatever happens to Apparently them. Apparently does not have a release day. There you go. <laughs> the punchline that just keeps on giving, right? Mm-hmm. Poor guys. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and then I um, also uh, saw, too, that there were uh, a lot of short films as well from South by Southwest, which are being um, reviewed online right now by everybody and uh, being po- published up there. So, I mean, it's really, really great to see that there are ways that um, a lot of the programmers are trying to work around this pandemic to get the con- uh, the content seen by people, which is really, really nice and very encouraging as well. As we get later in the year, it's going to become a little bit more difficult, I think, especially for films that are supposed to be competing at the uh, fall film festivals. So in regards to that... Um, we have seen what many of us predicted, which is a shift of film releases that were supposed to come out now in the summer, getting now those fall release dates. So this is a very, very big deal because then I think that the larger movies that were supposed to come out later on in the year, um, they might get pushed. Maybe they'll keep that slot. I don't know. But then the smaller movies, the ones that just like pop up at the festivals and such, they not they may not be ready in time and they might get shifted over so we might get a very extremely heavily mainstream fall award season you know lineup essentially uh with some of these pushback release dates uh michael uh why don't you uh just uh tell everybody that's listening right now uh what those new release dates are yeah so starting with the disney movies just because they put everything out all at once uh i'm going to name the new release dates not the old ones just for the sake of time but we have uh, Mulan, which is dated right now for July 24th of this year, which seems really optimistic. And I can't imagine it's going to stay there. Yeah, same. That's changed from March. So what I'm thinking might happen is they have uh, Disney has a release date in November for this new animated film, Raya and the Last Dragon. And who knows, maybe like they save that date and move Raya to next year and put Mulan in that spot over Thanksgiving. That's just my guess. But uh, right now they say July and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, going down the list, we have the French French Dispatch, the new Wes Anderson movie, moving to October 16th. Black Widow taking the spot of Eternals on November 6th, which then, in effect, begins like a domino effect with all the Marvel films. So every film is taking the spot of the next one. Yep, everything's just shifting. Which so you have Black mm-hmm. Widow on November 6th. Uh, Free Guy, the Ryan Reynolds film, is moving to December 11th. Uh, Eternals, of course, then goes to February 12th of 2021. So not a huge shift, just a few months. Uh, Bob's Burgers moves to April 9th of next year. What we, uh, Jungle Cruise, which was supposed to open this July, is now moving to next July, July 30th, 2021. Uh, Thor gets February 18th, 2022. 
we have a new release date. This one wasn't even dated before for Captain Marvel 2, which is coming out July 8th of 2022. And Indiana Jones 5 now moves to July 29th, 2022. So a lot to look forward to two years from now from Disney and company. Then then we also have news from a few other studios placing some of their holdouts. Uh, a Quiet Place Part 2, which was set to open a couple weeks ago, will now open over Labor Day weekend, assuming everything's okay, September 4th. Candyman is also moving to September on September 25th. Top Gun Maverick is moving from June to December, right before Christmas. It'll open on December 23rd. Uh, Sony moved a lot of their slate. You have Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was supposed to open in July. That's now going for March 5th, 2021. Morbius, which was also supposed to be a summer release from Sony, is also going to March, March 19th of next year. Uh, Minions, which was supposed to open 4th of July weekend this year, is going to 4th of July weekend next year. And Artemis Fowl, the Disney film from Kenneth Branagh, <laughs> uh, which has been so troubled for years. It was originally a Weinstein property. That's how long ago we're talking. That was supposed to open Memorial Day here in theaters. And people will still be able to see it on Memorial Day, but they'll have to watch it on Disney Plus, which I don't think is such a bad idea. I think for some movies that makes sense. Uh, other movies, you know, they definitely deserve that big screen experience for sure absolutely mm-hmm. and it's going to be good for disney plus because they are banking a lot on the original content especially like season two of the mandalorian and season two of the mandalorian i don't think is going to be ready by mm-hmm. september or october at this point same with all the marvel tv shows right i think all the marvel shows are going to have to wait until next year so once yeah. they lose all that they're going to need new content coming in and something like artemis fell let's be honest was not going to make much money in the theater so, yeah. you know, we're not talking a $200 million Marvel extravaganza. Mm. So something like that. I think no, but the, just Plus. because it's not going to make $200 doesn't mean it's not going to make a lot. Like, it could have made $100, $150 million easily. Uh, I don't really hear any buzz around that one. But I think Disney Plus is going to do much better. I, I Yeah, I didn't really sense a lot of um, anticipation uh, for that one, if you will. Disney Plus seems like a good home for it. Sure, sure. Meanwhile, uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenant still sticking firm to that July 17th uh, release, which I <laughs> think is extremely optimistic. I don't I don't anticipate that uh, holding still there for long. Uh, Wonder Woman, 1984, August 14th. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. I still think that's optimistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel better about A Quiet Place, which is only yes. a few weeks later. September, I think, is good. I think Sony in general was doing really good with moving their projects, you know, six months to a year later. But I think with, like, the August and July of movies, I really think no matter where the virus stands, I don't think that's enough for people, for the general public, to feel safe enough to go to big crowded events like a movie theater. But if any movie I think could drive people, um, it is the power of Christopher Nolan and Robert Pattinson. Yeah. <laughs> and then for us uh, that are more in tune with, uh, you know, films such as like Black Klansman, uh, John David Washington, just seeing where his career goes next, I'm, I'm sure is very appealing to a lot of us out there right now. So yeah. Uh, I mean, it could go either way. I definitely think that that movie would make more along the lines of maybe Dunkirk numbers as opposed to Inception numbers, if that makes sense. Well, but the budget is going to have to make Inception numbers. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
it's going to be very interesting because like like we uh, predicted everything is shifting essentially like you said uh, michael in regards to like the marvel release dates uh everything is just moving over and as a result of which you know this time that we're living in now is going to be basically like a human gap in the history of cinema essentially where mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. happened um it'll be very very interesting to look back one day i, I don't know who's going to write a book about this but there is definitely going to be books to be uh, made, as uh, Robert Downey Jr. says in Zodiac. Somebody should write a fucking book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be very, very interesting to see how it all develops over time. I think that already it's been interesting, to say the least. And I'm very, very curious to see um, how these shifted release dates, uh, like I said, during the fall film festival period, especially if the Oscars uh, you know, hold to, hold to their date don't move anything. The qualifying uh, time frame is still the same. You know, are these movies that typically maybe only get technical uh, nominations uh, because they released earlier in the year um, and they also are competing with the films that are campaign more heavily for awards? They get pushed out a little bit. Are those films now going to be your best director, best picture contenders? Potentially, maybe. Um, we could be looking at those types of movies, the temple, mainstream, big blockbuster films as the films that do save cinema from the pandemic. And they are the things that unite us again to go back to the cinema. I think that that could be a very strong narrative for those kinds of movies in an award season play. You also have stuff like West Side Story, which is still on the calendar at the same date. But it'll be interesting to see where that falls in proximity to In the Heights, which was taken off of a uh, the release calendar for June. So, you know, not that they're the same story by any means, but they're two uh, New York musicals based on Tony winning properties. So, you know, we'll see if one impacts the other or what the deal is. You know, I can't wait to see both of them and I wouldn't mind seeing both in the same uh, time range, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. John Chu, the director of in the Heights has said that it's a big movie experience to see on the uh, big screen mm-hmm. And they don't want to commit to a date uh, in fear that it would be pushed off again. So they're holding right now to announce a new date for that film. So we'll see. Okay. uh, With that said, I want to transition over to polls really quick. Because this week we are asking everyone, uh, which movies are you most looking forward to seeing when the theaters reopen? Um, I have given uh, everyone the ability to choose three. So for movies that do have set release dates uh, that we is like some of the ones we just mentioned just now, for example, uh, what are you most looking forward to when the theaters do reopen, Michael? Well, you know, it's not on the list, but I just said in the heights, like whenever that movie comes out, that's what I cannot wait to see the most. OK, then, then you name you, you can name four <laughs> <laughs> of the ones that we know that have release dates. I'm just pulling up the list here for reference. Uh, I really want to see The French Dispatch, of course. You know, always love a new Wes Anderson movie. Uh, No Time to Die. I was really looking forward to seeing that this week. And now I won't be able to see it until at least Thanksgiving. But, you know, really want to see that one. Uh, I already said West Side Story, and everyone knows that. So I'm going to go with Sol as my third option, because I think that looks really interesting. I hear that Disney has a lot of confidence in it, to the point that it was going to play Can back when everything was uh, in the original timeline. And whenever Disney and Pixar bring a movie to Cannes, you know, that means it has the goods. And yeah, that seems like it's going to be a big contender for animated feature, maybe even screenplay and a few others this year. Yeah, definitely. Lauren? If anyone knows me and if anyone's been listening to this for a while or has been looking at my Twitter, you guys know that I am a hardcore Black Widow fan. I have been waiting for that movie since I want to say 2014. 
So I can wait 200 more days to see it in November. I'm totally okay with it taking the eternal spot and pushing the MCU back. One slate, I feel like that was the right decision for and the easiest decision for Marvel. So I'm waiting a lot for that. I love Kate Shortland, the director, and I love Natasha. So I want to see her story on the big screen. Um, and I also really want to see A Quiet Place Part 2. I wat- recently rewatched A Quiet Place, and it's so good. And I am excited to see where um, they take it. And um, I really want to see Tenet. I love Nolan, and I love what he does. And he just, like, um, just, like, kicks off the decades really well normally. So I'm excited to hopefully see that trajectory and that pattern continue. So those are my three. All right. All right. Dan Bear. Um, I, uh, the Green Knight, man. Yeah, I was so disappointed uh, when South yeah. by Southwest got canceled just for that movie alone. <laughs> that movie looks like so fucking amazing. Um, other than like, that's my big one, honestly. Um, after that, I had a lot of things that are sort of like even, um, I love Wes Anderson uh, the trailer for the French Dispatch looked like everything I wanted. Um, I I thought the trailer for Candyman looked really good, um, even if I'm not really a big fan of the original. Um, and Agreed. yeah, I mean, Tenet, Soul, I <laughs> I I'm looking forward to them all, man. <laughs> Give us anything at this point. Anything. <laughs> Seriously, no, but like, this I, year also seems really strong. Like, expe- like I think this is an extremely strong year, and it's uh, kind of annoying that we're gonna have to wait a couple months longer to see these. Yeah, I agree. Bianca. <laughs> uh, um, Venom two. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> if it's she, Venom. <laughs> Imagine if that's the only film that gets released. Um, but no, I, I, I think the green. I'm really looking forward to the Green Knight. Like, like Dan was saying, that a trailer really sort of was just oh, everything I like about trailers. Like, n- know nothing about the movie, but I really want to go see it. Um, I was like, uh, um, Lauren. I was also excited about seeing A Quiet Place too, as well. And Tenant, I think we we all want to see that. Uh, Candyman, Black Widow, uh, you know, Wonder Woman, um, nineteen eighty four. That, but uh, yeah, I mean, by the time Top Gun two comes out, I might have seen Top Gun, the original. So maybe then I would be excited <laughs> for it. But yeah, I, I even the Kingsman, I was looking forward to in just such yeah. silly, silly like. Um, popcorn movie type of way, you know. So it's all a bit depressing. <laughs> and I'll uh, I'll name some titles that haven't been brought up just yet. Um, I am looking forward to the Last Duel simply because it is Ridley Scott uh, with an award season uh, release date. And by golly, I really really want that man to win an Oscar. He's in his eighties, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know. So anytime he has a project that gets that award season release date, I'm just like, please let this be the one. Please let this be the one. <laughs> Um, the Trial of the Chicago 7. I thought Aaron Sorkin uh, was already an amazing writer, uh, maybe even my favorite writer uh, working today. I'm, you know, that's up for debate. Uh, but I thought his directorial debut of Molly's Game was uh, really, really strong. So I was really, really looking forward to seeing what he uh, delivers next. 
And I also want to give a shout out to Denis Villeneuve for Dune, which uh, that film, no announcements on that because it has a December release date. So hopefully, fingers crossed, um, it's just in post and they're able to do social distancing and get the movie ready in time. I hope. Fingers crossed. (laughs) You know, so uh, we'll wait and see on that one. So. Lot to look forward to there. Head on over to the polls page and uh, cast your votes on there and let us know uh, what movies you are looking forward to when the movie theaters reopen. And for last week, we asked everyone which is their favorite pandemic movie. Now, for those that have been paying attention over the last couple of weeks, every Saturday, our new movie review, uh, which is typically reserved for whatever the big release is uh, of the week, is uh, we've been focusing on pandemic movies. So this is actually uh, quite a good list to go through in regards to um, what you can expect over the next couple of uh, podcast reviews uh, from us. So starting at number 10, working our way up here on what you guys voted as the best pandemic movies. Okay, number 10 is Zombieland. Nice. That's got its fans. It's fun. Yeah. I think the sequel diluted it a little bit, if I, you know, do say so. But, yeah, that's fine. Number nine. The Bong Joon-ho love continues. It's the host. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number eight, a movie that I championed last week here on the podcast. I'm glad to see it made the top ten. It comes at night. Number seven. Oh, this would be a fun podcast review. Train to Busan. Ooh, I love that. Oh, yeah. so good. Number six. I know for a fact that we are definitely getting to this at some point on the podcast is 12 Monkeys. So good. Love that. Number five, Andy Serkis' Caesar with Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Those are great. So good. Number four, Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. Number three, Mm -hmm. Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead. Nice. Number two, maybe a controversial pick. Maybe, maybe not. But for 80% of the runtime, it very much does qualify as a pandemic movie until you find out later that it is not. It is 10 Cloverfield Lane. (laughs) And number one, no surprise, is Steven Soderbergh's Contagion. So thank you, everyone, for voting on what are your favorite pandemic movies. Uh, like I said uh, before, we are continuing to review these every Saturday here on the uh, podcast. Hopefully it doesn't put you all in a uh, very dour and upsetting mood. But here to lighten the mood, we do have a game. <laughs> Let's play a game here on the podcast this week. Whee! I want you to play a game with me, Ray. I don't want to play a game. Oh, please. No. I said play a game with me, Ray. Man. Right. Lovely. Okay, I want to give uh, credit first over to uh, that CM guy, 1988, who uh, responded on Twitter saying, I suggest that you guys play the game Last Man Stanton, Doug Benson's game that uh, it was invented by Seth Rogen. It's like Six Degrees of Separation by Kevin Bacon. So I listened to the link that was sent over to me as an example, and it's pretty straightforward, you guys. Basically, what I'm going to do is this, is I'm going to name an actor or actress and we're going to go in a rotation and you guys are going to just name a movie starring that actor or that actress can't repeat okay and if you get stuck 
you can use me, I'll, I'll volunteer myself for this one, as a lifeline. However, you can only use me as a lifeline once. If you can't think of a title, you drop out, and this game continues until there's one person left standing. So we just have to name a movie the person was in. That's it. Okay. Game. Pretty easy, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> easy, or so you think. Yeah, it depends on the people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So here's going to be the order that we're going to go in. We're going to go Michael, Bianca, Dan, Lauren. Okay. Let's start off with Oscar nominee from last year. Double nominee, Scarlett Johansson. Michael. Marriage Story. Uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh, me? Uh, yes. <laughs> Lost in Translation. Avengers Endgame. Man, are you going or is it me? No, 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 it's you. Oh, Jojo Rabbit. Um, match point. Ghost World. Oh, um, Rough Night. Scoop. Um, Ghost in a Shell. Her. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Vicky Christina Barcelona. Um, uh, uh, I give up. I can't think of nah. it. <laughs> All uh, right, Bianca. Bianca's out. Just go through the Marvel stuff. I know, but I don't know them all. <laughs> I was ready to go all the way down to Home Alone 3. Yeah, I had my count. I was like, can we do voice work too? All right, different actor now. Let's go. Let's go a little bit, a little bit harder. All right. John Lithgow. Okay, so should we start? We start from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, yes, Michael. Okay, Shrek. Uh, Pet Cemetery. Oh no no no! B, you're out. Oh oh, just, oh what? I'm out. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a process of elimination. There has to be one winner standing. So. I didn't want to play this game. Oh, I'm not playing it. You're not. <laughs> fine, fine. All right, well, continuing with John Lithgow, uh, Lauren. Is it just uh, movies? Yep. Uh, bombshell. Dan? Ooh, um, wait, does bees count? Because I was also going to say Pet Cemetery. <laughs> uh, you can use it. Go ahead. Okay, Pet Cemetery. Michael? The World According to Garp. Pitch Perfect 3. <laughs> he is in there. He is? <laughs> Dan? Oh. Fuck. Um, oh, uh, uh, Blowout. Terms of Endearment. Ah, uh, um, I know all of the TV stuff. Um, <laughs> Interstellar. Yeah. Nice. Dan. Okay. Daddy's Home Two. <laughs> <laughs> Michael. Rugrats in Paris. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> this is forty. Okay. Late night. Yeah. Oh, good one. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Dream Girls. Love is Strange. Oh, guys. <laughs> Footloose. Yeah. Shit. Um. 
<laughs> you have so much TV. Um... <laughs> okay, Matthew, my lifeline. Your lifeline? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, the accountant. Uh, yeah, okay. All right, so going over to Dan. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, baby. Yep. <laughs> Beatrice at dinner. I like that movie a lot. Very underrated. Did someone say Leap Year? Nope. Leap Year. <laughs> Dan? Uh, a Civil Action. Miss Sloan. Yeah. Shrek? Yep. No, we already oh, said no, Shrek. Said Shrek. Oh, wait. Wait, uh, Sh- we did say Shrek? Yeah. That was, yeah. The, yeah, that was the first. You're right. All right, Lauren's out. Yeah. Come with me, Lauren. It's lovely. It's yes. lovely here. <laughs> <laughs> We're just enjoying the show now. Yeah. Got a popcorn. Okay, and now for Michael and Dan, I am going to uh, break this one down uh, and give you guys, I don't know if this is going to be hard or what it will be, but here we go. Kathleen Turner. Okay, I'm going to get the tough one out of the way first. Monster House. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> Body heat. The Jewel of the Nile. Romancing the Stone. <laughs> Peggy Sue got married. Uh, serial Mom. The Accidental Tourist. Uh, the War of the Roses. Who friend Roger Rabbit? Ooh. <laughs> um, Marley and Me. A Simple Wish. <laughs> uh, Virgin Suicide. Yes. <laughs> Baby Geniuses. <laughs> Moonlight and Valentino. Oh my god, guys. Fritzy's Honor. What? Yeah, Fritzy's Honor. Oh, okay, okay. Um. Uh. 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 uh, uh, uh Julia and Julia. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, I bet I'm still on it. Ready? Going the Carl Carl Reiner route here. The man with two brains. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, Prince of Central Park. Okay, Dan, you're really making me dig deep here. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber <laughs> 2. <laughs> what? Yeah. She's in that. Oh, God. Okay. Um, oh, uh, uh, Perfect Family? Uh, yep. 2011. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Uh, oh, God, I can't remember if we said this one or not. This might be it. Crimes of Passion? Uh, I don't believe we said that. House of Cards. TV. Not the TV show. No, 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 oh, no. oh, 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 sorry. You're right. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Not the TV show. There was a movie. Yes, yes. You know, you're right. You're right. Hey. <laughs> I wish I had saved Monster House until now. <laughs> oh, God, we've gone through all the top ones. Uh,. Oh, goodness. We can't do Broadway, can we, or TV? Nope. <laughs> Come on, Michael. Uh, well, we had a really good run here, I think. I think so, too. I think we'll uh, declare Dan the winner on this one. <laughs> Wait, he, he should name one for the win. Okay, done. Switching channels. Okay, there you go. Checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was saving that one. <laughs> 
All righty. All right. That was All good. Right. I'm really tempted to go with friends or who's afraid of Virginia Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm Aaron. And I'm Patrick. And together we host the Feelin' Film Podcast, a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit. Yes, sir. Talking about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion. New episodes drop every Monday morning, and you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks. You can also find out more about the show at feelinfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film. Now, you guys might remember this uh, from last week, but last week, even May wrote into us and he uh, basically uh, asked us to delete an actor, director uh, in a lineup uh, that he gave. He gave us uh, some random Oscar lineups, asked us to take one person out, put one person in. I'm happy to say that we have a new list from Ethan this week uh, to do just that. So let's pull up. Of suggestions here. Oh yay! Another game I'm gonna lose. Woo! No, no, no! It's not a game. It's just uh, I don't this think is. A... There are losers in this game. No, there's <laughs> no losers. This is a uh, fun exercise. <laughs> okay, fine. I don't want. I don't want to be forced outside my quarantine zone. No, no, no. <laughs> Wait, I hope Kathleen Turner is listening to this episode because she would be very proud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go, everyone. Seriously. So. Uh, we have Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress, Best Actor, and Best Director. So, starting us off with Best Supporting Actor in the year 2000. The lineup was Joaquin Phoenix for Gladiator, Albert Finney for Aaron Brockovich, Willem Dafoe for Shadow of the Vampire, Jeff Bridges in The Contender, and Benicio Del Toro, the Oscar winner for Traffic. You need to take one person out of this lineup and replace them with someone else. Uh, you want me to start? Sure. Okay. I'm going to take out Willem Dafoe for Shadow of the Vampire. Oh, Michael. But I'm replacing him with Mark Ruffalo, and you can count on me. I, I was going to say, Mark Ruffalo is my choice, but I'm not taking out Willem Dafoe, no. It's a no, good lineup, and I do like Willem Dafoe, but I wouldn't remove any of the others. You know, it's a really good lineup there. <sighs> Take out Jeff Bridges for the contender. Guy has enough yeah, Oscar I, nominations. <laughs> no, those, that's a great I, movie. Of those, I'd take out Jeff Bridges, um, and I'd replace him with... Um. Uh, see, I want to replace him with someone from Best in Show, but I can't pick. <laughs> um. So I'll just go with no. He's lead. Um. Jason Isaacs and the Patriot. <laughs> Good no. night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Jared Leto and Requiem. Oh, okay. Oh. Good choice. Good choice. Lauren, Bianca. I might have to do Jared Leto, too, now thinking of it. That's fine. You can say the same thing. Uh, no, yeah, I'm thinking about who I would take out. Mm. Um, maybe I take... Um, well, I'm making this so hard on myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll take out Willem Dafoe and put... No! 
Yeah. Willem Dafoe was the best in this lineup. Where are you people taking him out? <laughs> you guys are savages. That so movie. <sighs> I, All right. I, I want to see. Yeah, and then I put Lotto in. B? Mm, oh, I was going to say, I don't really like Phoenix's performance in Gladiator. I, um, I just find it a bit too over the top. Well, you're um, not merciful. <laughs> yeah, I'm obviously getting a thumbs down. Um, so I probably would take him out. I don't think it's his best work. Um, and I'm, I don't know. I'm tempted to put Samuel Jackson in from Unbreakable. Oh, okay. Inspired choice. I like it. Isn't he lead, though? No, Bruce Willis says. You could argue right. they're co-leads. No, I can't argue, and that's the way it is. <laughs> that's yeah, my I best mean, supporting actor pick, okay? I, I, I'm going to go with it. All right. You know, I was thinking of the sequel, uh, Glass. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. of having more time there. The next one up is 2009 Best Supporting Actress. We have Anna Kendrick for Up in the Air, Maggie Gyllenhaal for Crazy Heart, Vera Farmiga for Up in the Air, Penelope Cruz for nine, and the Oscar winner, Monique, for Precious. Okay. If anyone takes out Monique, so help me God. <laughs> I am not taking out Monique, but no. I'm going to be really controversial here. And anyone who is following the race in 2009 will know why. This is super, super, super controversial, but I'm going for it anyway. First part is not controversial. I'm taking out Maggie Gyllenhaal. Okay. 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 Oh, mm. I, I, I get it. She was a surprise nominee. And she's good. Nothing against her. I like Crazy Heart. Yeah. But the person I'm replacing her with was the victim of category fraud. And I think she would have been nominated if not for some funny business going on with this campaign and this studio that thankfully is no longer in existence. Okay. To everyone brace. I'm replacing her with Marianne Cotillard in nine. I Yeah. Now, the reason why I say that there was funny business there is because she is rightly supporting in that movie. I'm putting her where she belongs. The reason it's controversial is because she was campaigned as a lead actress in that movie. Which was stupid. So when I say controversial, I don't mean it on my end. I mean writing a 10-year wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's very nice, but I think mine is going to be more controversial. Okay. Um, I am taking out Penelope. Okay. For nine and replacing her with this year's steen sailing crowd pleaser, Miss Betty White in the proposal. Oh my gosh. She was so <laughs> and they had a full on campaign for her that year. I know. <laughs> that was the beginning of the Betty White renaissance. The beginning of the Betty White renaissance was um, the hot in Cleveland. No, that was after it started. No, I thought that was the year before. No, no, no. That was 2010. It was guys, oh. guys, ladies. I'm thinking. Um, who would I take out first? Um, I think I take out Maggie Gyllenhaal. Who would I put in? I don't know. I just th- I remember like really liking Rachel Weisz in The Lovely Bones, but I also remember really liking um, Diane Kugler in Glorious Bastards. Yeah. Mm. So I think I'm gonna put Diane in. My, my, mine is tough because I really want to give it to Diane Kruger, especially considering um, she has never, She's never been there. Yeah, she, yeah. she was good. Yeah. But my choice has to go to Julianne Moore for uh, a, a single, single man. man. Yeah, yeah. She, she, that, she's so good in that. Yeah, she's great. 
And I'm taking out Penelope Cruz in nine. Yes. Yes. The yeah. correct choice. I, I can't take away Maggie Gyllenhaal's only Oscar nomination. I no. Do. <laughs> yeah. Penelope was riding a wave. And mm-hmm. honestly, I, I think that won. her sex appeal just got her into this lineup this year. If I'm yeah. being completely uh, no, honest with you. No, no. Yeah. I'm still waiting for someone to say my number six who didn't make my lineup, but deserved to be in the conversation. Well, Bianca still left. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, waiting to see if anyone goes. Oh, uh, well, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Um, I, I sort of agree with Lauren. Really. Wait. What about um, uh, 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 hold on, guys. It's gonna come to me. What about um, uh, what's her name? Holy shit! All right, now this is bothering me. Um, from what movie? Uh, hold on. Movie. It's in. It's in the loop. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, Mimi Kennedy. Uh, Brand yes. Pumps. No, 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 it was, um, um, yes, 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 my bad. She's so fucking funny in that. <laughs> I mean, everyone is hilarious in that movie, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about, um, what about Samantha Morton in The Messenger? Oh, she was really good. Oh, God, I completely <clears throat> forgot about her. She wasn't the one yeah. I was thinking of, but yeah, she deserved to be in the conversation. The name I was thinking of was Emma Thompson in, Ed- Ed- I can't talk, in an education. Oh, yes. Yeah. Didn't she have? I've only seen that movie once uh, that year. Uh, didn't she only have one scene? If I recall, no, she had a couple scenes. But she, she did. One okay, and that was really a parallel. Yeah, yeah. Mm. not a woman. So, so B, a, a, anyone come to mind or? Not really. Everybody said everyone. I, I don't know. I don't feel like two thousand nine was very strong a year. I don't personally think so either. Uh, well, are there any of the ones that we said? I mean, you don't have to say something different. Was there anyone that we said that you agree with or? I, I think all of them are good choices. Well, for the sake for the sake of the exercise, pick one. <laughs> I don't know. You put me on the spot. Um, yeah, probably Diane from Inglorious Bastards. Okay, moving on. Uh, best actor. One more thing from that year. Not that anyone was going to mention her, but do you know who else was really good in that mm. lineup? Kristen Stewart in Adventureland. Mm. Uh, she was. We are sticking with 2009. Uh, best actor, 2009. Nominees are Jeremy Renner for The Hurt Locker, Morgan Freeman for Invictus, Colin Firth for A Single Man, George Clooney in Up in the Air, and the Oscar winner Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart. This is the easiest one in like this contest's history. Mm-hmm. Drop Morgan Freeman and put in the man who should have won, Michael Stuhlbarg in A Serious Man. Uh, definitely yeah. definitely a breakout Same role for him thing, yeah. i yeah. really wish he had gotten the recognition that he really deserved that season for that absolutely although i i want to just give a shout out to um moon with sam uh, rockwell yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's great. between the two of them honestly and, and another like i know this would never have happened i fully understand but I thought Shalto Copley was really great in District oh, he was Nine. Fantastic in District Nine. Yeah, like talk yeah. about a character uh, arc and mm-hmm. how you just start off really not liking this guy, and by the end you just have such sympathy for him. And he eats cat food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any of those two boys, I'd be perfectly okay with. Yeah, my, my, I, I think like. I think between all of those, man, that's so hard. Um, I, I easily do take out Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. but oh man, between those three, I, 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 I think I have to say Stuhlbarg. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah, no, I'm on the same 
bandwagon. B? Yeah, I, I agree. Okay. Uh, best actress for 2005. We have Charlize Theron for North Country, Kira Knightley in Pride and Prejudice, Felicity Huffman in Transamerica, Judy Dench and Mrs. Henderson Presents, and the Oscar winner, Reese Witherspoon for Walk the Line. This is a strange lineup because it's not very yes. best picture heavy, but they're not bad. There's not a bad one in the bunch. So even though I really do like her work, I'm going to take out Judy Dench for Mrs. Henderson Presents and replace her with Laura Linney in The Squid and the Whale. Um, I, ooh. Okay, question. Is Maria Bello category fraud actress or supporting actress? Yes. She's she's supporting. Okay. Vigo's okay. the lead. He's the all only right. lead in that movie. Yep. All right. All right. I want to I want to make sure before I misspoke. So I will I will not say <laughs> Maria Bello. Uh, you know I got to give some credit to. I have two. I have two that I'm thinking of here. One mm-hmm. is Natalie Portman in V for Vendetta. Ooh, mm. nice pick. The other is Naomi Watts in King Kong. I also want to say Scarlett Johansson in Matchpoint was really good. I was going to say. She's yeah. supporting in that, though. Mm. No, category fraud's a thing. I, okay, <laughs> I got I got two really controversial ones. Because <laughs> I want to replace I want to replace two from this lineup anyway. And uh-huh. if you go where I think you're going with one of these, I'll love you forever. I Probably not. Um, I would take out uh, both Judy Dench and Charlize Theron. Wow. Damn. Wow. He was fine in North Country. Replace them with Ellen Page and Hard Candy. Good choice. Very and good choice. Wasn't is, thinking this of that. Is the one that's going to turn people on. Uh, Jennifer Carpenter in The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Ooh. <laughs> okay, not the direction I expected. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Meryl Streep in Prime. And I'm no. going to oh. I'm going to also go really really out there on this one, so bear with me guys. All right, and I and I, I wasn't gonna say it because I was afraid I wasn't gonna pronounce the name right, but I, I may not pronounce the name right still, but I'm gonna try it anyway. Lee Young A for uh, Lady Vengeance, or otherwise known as Sympathy oh, for Lady Vengeance. That's a good pick. And um, in terms of who I would take out, by the way, uh, oh man, um, I think I would take out Judy Dench and Mrs. Henderson Presents. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like uh, I like Naomi Watson, uh, Natalie Portman, but I, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go to South Korea on this one. Yes. Foreign ladies need some love, too. Yep. I'm going to category fraud Scarlett because like she could say she's the female lead in it. But I will say I'll throw Natalie <laughs> Portman in then if you guys won't take it. I was shocked at how good she was a match point. And um, who would I take out? I would take out. Um, I take out Judy Dench. You know what? I want to just say, like, I know it's not a great movie, but Rachel McAdams in Red Eye. If yes. anyone's seen that film, I really yeah. love so that good. film. She's very good in it. That's um, a great genre flick. I love that movie. It's a totally yeah. underrated. Uh, and it's really weird because there were like Flight Plan that came out and Red Eye, which both have like uh set on set on a plane, and you know. I was just remembering when those movies first came, uh, both came out of this in the same year. But Red Eye is so underrated, so, so I'm gonna give her so, some love. And I think Judy Dench, like she, she's okay to sit this this one out. Yeah, she's, yeah. 
There's one actress who I ultimately decided was supporting, but I think there was maybe a case to be made that, you know, she could sit on the line between lead and supporting, and that's Tony Collette in In Her Shoes. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I, I think at the end of the day, she is supporting, and that uh, Cameron Diaz is the lead of that movie. And then I think, uh, I don't know if this was given to us for uh, the obvious reasons, uh, but this will probably be very, very easy for uh, many of us here. Uh, 2002 Best Director lineup. Uh, Oscar nominees Martin Scorsese for Gangs in New York, Rob Marshall for Chicago, Stephen Daldry for The Hours, Pedro Almodovar for Talk to Her, and the Oscar winner Roman Polanski for The Pianist. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, this is why this is easy for me. Um, <laughs> I uh, naturally am going to say take out Roman Polanski, um, and I would replace with Peter Jackson for the two towers. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's actually hard for me to put in who. Yeah, I'm thinking about who I would put, put in. in. I, I would go really, the I had like a whole other lineup of people that I can put in. There, that's yeah. a great lineup that year for a yeah. director yeah. in terms yeah. of like the people that didn't get nominated. I mean, Paul yeah. Thomas okay. Anderson for Punch Drunk Love. I mean, I love Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. I have to get my lineup. I'll give a suggestion that I think someone will probably run with after I say it. I'm going to take out Martin Scorsese because I really don't like Gangs in New York. I think it's his weakest movie. But I'm going to replace him with Todd Haynes in Far From Heaven. Oh, that's good. Oh, fuck. That was that year, too. Um, I'm genuinely surprised, Michael, that you didn't say Steven Spielberg for Catch Me If You Can. Like my (laughs) number seven. He also did Minority Report that year, too. Like, Mm. I mean... That was the year for him. Um, okay, I'm gonna. T- I would also take out Martin Scorsese. I. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen a lot of these movies. So. Um, you have Spike Jones. You have Alfonso Cuarón. I know. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go with the most out there one and the one that I everyone come at come at me on Twitter, but I, I don't care because <laughs> his direction of this movie is brilliant. Uh, Gaspar Noe in, for Irreversible. Yeah, you're not Ooh. wrong. That's such a hard film to watch. I know. Hard does not Jesus. equal bad. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that movie is like I was having this conversation with my roommate the other night. I was like, way too often in today's uh, society, people equate uh, negative vibes that they feel while watching a movie like that's supposed to intentionally make you feel queasy mm. or ungood or whatever and yeah, they and they equate yeah. that with oh it's bad yeah and I think Gaspar No is like a great example of that he's the king of that yeah. <laughs> it's really it's a re- it's an amazing movie uh, on a technical level uh, it's, mm. it's so yeah. clever and everything that he does is, is great in terms of making you feel so yeah. dis uh, oh the, oh I can't watch yeah, it ever no. again. <laughs> yeah, no, never. I will never be able to watch that movie again. But God, can I also show some love towards uh, Sam Mendes for Road to Perdition? Yeah, that's a great can. movie. This one was. Yeah, I'll stick with Spielberg and put in Catch Me If You Can because underrated gem. Um, did City of See God come out of this still? year? City of God technically is two thousand and three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's. That's such a good movie. Uh, I can't remember who directed it, though. Fernando Morales, who did The Two Popes last year. 
Oh, well, I think City of God then. Yeah, but it was 2003. Oh, but... Well, but it was released internationally that year. Like, but he yeah. was nominated for director the following year. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Done. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's have Punch Drunk Love. Come on. Bit poor Tom. Also, too, shout out to Spike Lee for 25th Hour, one of his most underrated films by yeah, far. Yes. Shout out to also to like one of the great years. Antoine Fischler, which is really good. But yeah. this was such a good year, guys. Yeah. yeah, not bad year. I legitimately cannot wait to uh, get to this in our retrospective in 12 years. Uh, so, <laughs> we have some uh, fan questions now to uh, answer. Ethan May, thank you so much for the uh, Oscar uh, replacement suggestion. I actually oh, yeah, game. Yeah, really enjoy doing this. Uh, so, uh, maybe don't provide so many uh, next time so that we have some, you know, other... Uh, we, we can maybe go in depth a little bit more uh, with one maybe every week. But, uh, it really yeah, makes thank you, you think. Absolutely. All right, some questions now. Uh, let's see here. All right, uh, we kind of alluded to this before, but we can uh, give this uh, we can give this one a try here. Uh, Oscar H, the underscore film underscore maniac, asks: um, It was announced that Mulan's new release date is July twenty fourth. Do you think it's possible that Tenet doesn't get delayed and stays where it is because it only opens up a week before Mulan? I think the July people are going to have to move it. I don't think. It's even where we are at any state of the virus, if it's oh got, got 100% or if it's leaving or if we spiked again, I really don't think people are going to be comfortable to go to a movie theater. I, you know, I just saw on the news this morning that uh, movie theaters in China had opened back up and reported that, you know, they lost money because they were too sparsely populated. So, I mean, who knows where we'll be by July, but I think what Lauren is saying is very, very possible. Uh, Isaiah Washington asks, with pushing films back towards award season, if they continue to be great and successful, could we see a genre film that we normally write off early in the year actually contend for this year's Oscars? Um, uh, Best sound editing nominee, Candyman. I, I mean, I was going to say, like, what? I mean, what are we defining as, like, genre film? Because, like... Yeah, there's Candyman, but like, is a musical a genre? Like, because I think you're taking this too literally. I think you know what the question's really asking. I mean, does Candy do Candyman and A Quiet Place do stand a chance? Absolutely, they they stand the same chance that they always did. Frankly, all right. Uh, Colby Mack at Colby told me asks, how much stock do you put in the reports that big chains like Regal and AMC may never recover or reopen from the coronavirus? There are a lot of spinning plates there, and I wouldn't take any one report, you know, too seriously. Things are going to come back. It's not like this is going to be the end of the world. You know, things are definitely going to be different in you know, some ways, but, you know, you will see these places again, maybe just in different capacities. Terry Plunkett asked on the last uh, podcast that we did, uh, referred to as uh, Almost Sideways, we counted down the best movie or TV characters to be quarantined with. Who would be your choice? Ooh. You kind of want someone who's oh, not going to annoy you for too Who do I want to quarantine with? Can I be raunchy and just choose a sex partner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, like, if I just, like, want to, like, have a good time with someone, then, like, anything that Sebastian Stan has played, like, I'm so fine with. <laughs> as long as it's not I, Tanya, please. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not him. But, like, Bucky, like, hi. <laughs> Hi, Bucky. <laughs> like, I'll totally be okay in that house. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to quarantine I mean, with 
Meryl Streep's character, Jane Adler from It's Complicated, because I love that house. And, and you know, it's the Nancy Myers milieu. <laughs> she has the bakery. She has, you know, again, anything with Nancy Myers milieu is enough for me to, to quarantine with any one of her characters. Um. I mean, there's so many characters, but look, okay, whether, <laughs> I hate to do this, but whether it's um, Fit Thor or Fat Thor, Thor. <laughs> because either way, he'd just be fun, plus, like, he's a god. If I get sick, he'll just, you know, heal me. <laughs> do you know what? I kind of want to see what it'd be like to um, be in quarantine with uh, the characters from The Lighthouse. Just oh my for, god! Like, the sheer <laughs> madness of it—that would How be fun so fun. Survive a full quarantine. <laughs> We've gone from the Nancy Myers aesthetic to the lighthouse. <laughs> well, I just think you know. Oh, okay. Let's let's. Be, I'll be a bit nicer. I'll, Bianca, I'll that, Bianca, I can just imagine you now, just like going around, and be like, and all your goddamn thoughts. <laughs> As, oh, maybe. Like, yep. Georgie. <laughs> um, I guess maybe the the li- the little women from Little Women, if I, you know, either uh, either yeah. the extreme of the lighthouse or you know the loveliness of Little Women. I mean, they'd know how to make it entertaining too. You know, like, yeah. Like yeah, if I wanted to play. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to have a fun time. It would be like Terminator One, Sarah Connor, and if I wanted to get buff, it would be Terminator Two, Sarah Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. <laughs> That's a really good question. Yeah, no, really good stuff. Uh, Champs only at Raps Fan for Darwin asks: If you were the president and producer of next year's Oscars, what steps would you take to work against the coronavirus and put on Oscars twenty twenty one? What are your some of your, what are some of your suggestions for how the academy should handle this pandemic? It can I mean, be all I, done like nothing ever happened next year. Yeah, I mean, so, we, it's so hard because we don't know at this point, right? I just think the goodie bag would be interesting, though. There'd be like a little mask <laughs> yeah. in there, a little hand gel, you know. <laughs> all the appreciated gifts. Some toilet yeah, paper. Like, you won't get all those like yacht cruises anymore. They'll just get like a lifetime supply of soap. i think the whole thing that the academy has to do right now is act like act as though it will happen like normal Mm. i mean because right now we have no better intelligence we don't know where things are going to be in Mm. three four weeks let alone three four months um and and it's one of those things where like don't worry about it until we have to worry about it i think that's the only way forward right now or at least have a plan a and a plan b you know i look at what's going on with the uh, democratic national convention that's supposed to happen this summer it's already been postponed a month to august and Mm -hmm. as of this recording they're still planning on having it in person from uh, the dnc but joe biden is saying maybe we should look to do something virtual so it might not be a bad idea to have two plans a plan a and a plan b and see what happens closer to. Okay. Next question here. This one's from Scott Kernan. Think before this decade. Are there any best picture winners that would have lost under the preferential system that we have today? Crash. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I think that's an obvious one. 
<laughs> I think I think I think broke back. Well, you know what? I don't know. Is it that simple? I think yes, because it was that year was clearly between Crash and Brokeback Mountain, and between the other three movies, you have to imagine that more of them would have had Brokeback Mountain higher on their ballot than Crash. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I don't think Lord what of the Rings would have won. I I don't think A Beautiful Mind, maybe. Hold on, hold on. I want, I want to go back to Michael for a minute here. 11 Oscars in a sweep, and you think something else would have won Best Picture? Well, hear me out. Maybe I'm totally off. This is just how I see it. With preferential, you have people who love it and people who, I don't want to say hate it, don't love it. And with Lord of the Rings, I hear many people, and I like the movie, don't get me wrong, people who say, oh, I just can't get into the franchise. I can't appreciate anything about this. When you're doing a popular vote, you might have enough people to push it over and give it their vote to give it the win. But when you're asked to rank, you might have the people who just don't care put it at that bottom slot. And yeah, it might have been close. And yeah, you have the popular vote for all the other categories. But I think maybe something like Mystic River would have benefited from a preferential system that year. I I think the Lord of the Rings Return of the King is a very special case because if I mean, if you were alive and following this at that time, like the the industry wanted to reward that franchise, like literally the only Mm -hmm. reason Fellowship didn't win was even with that first movie. It was wait until the third one to honor the whole series. Yeah, uh, yeah. that was the feeling in the industry. I, that that is one of those movies that, like, I, I do. I actually think that everyone in Hollywood collectively thought that that was the best movie that year. No, but they all decided that they were going to vote for it because, I mean, that movie, that series saved movies. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> like, <laughs> here here's one that I think makes a lot of sense uh, potentially. Traffic over Gladiator. Mm. I'm thinking. Uh, hmm. I don't know. That, that year's a weird one, too, because Crouching Tiger was also super popular. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm th- I yeah. forgot about Crouching. You know what? Actually, in terms of uh, a preferential, yeah, maybe it was Crouching. What about Shawshank Redemption or Pulp Fiction over Forrest Gump? Oh, I, yes. <sighs> no, I think Forrest Gump is the oh. most agreeable movie amongst that lineup, I think. Yeah. And, and yeah. Shawshank has only really become as beloved as it is now like over time like it was not that beloved in 1994 yeah i do wonder if preferential would have given the edge to saving private ryan maybe over shakespeare that was what i was gonna say like as much as that pains me to say i think so what about american beauty that would have won i think i I think i think that still would have won yeah i think Mm. for its time it was definitely the most agreeable now if you go back and do a recount today um i think it changes but yeah i just wonder how many people how much love there was for like the sixth sense mm. because that was like super popular yeah. yeah but he didn't win anything i think yeah, yeah that nomination was the no he won a, uh, no he didn't nope no he didn't mm. uh what about what about 1989 the driving miss daisy win do we just equate uh. that to green book and con- consider that to be a preferential uh, we Oscar don't talk about that ever, okay? That never That happens. still would have won, even I, without the director would, nomination. Yeah. Like, what What realistically would have come up from behind to defeat it? I mean, the only other one would have been the 4th of July. But, I, I don't know, because all of the other movies in that lineup 
their second would have been Driving Miss Daisy. Like, <laughs> and it was a really popular play. You know, people were really into it around that time. So but. here's the thing. Normally what I would do is I would look at the breakdown of Oscar wins, right, to try to figure out what was like the clear number two. And then I ask myself, okay, under the preferential – does the number one uh, does the number one film still win, or um, does the number two film that got these other Oscars that year win? But the further you go back in like Oscar history, it's not like today where the wins are like dispersed and like the yeah. max uh, wins that a film gets is like three. So when you have movies like you know Gandhi, for example, uh, you know winning eight Oscars, it's like well clearly there there like there is no alternative, <laughs> you know. What about uh, what about nineteen ninety? Do we think Goodfellas would have taken it over Dances with Wolves? No, yeah. because its only win was Pesci. If it had won screenplay, I would give it a little bit more of an edge. I think in 1981, Reds would have uh, put up a fight for Chariots of Fire. I uh, think you're... See, here's the thing. I think Chariots of Fire fits more the mold of a preferential winner than Reds still. Yeah. It, it does, but it would have been yeah, more of a contest. I think Chariots of Fire may have you know, won the race. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, pun intended there. <laughs> now what about oh, here's a good one what about 1976 because rocky is the winner there but you had oscar uh, wins being distributed amongst network and all the president's men as well i could definitely oh that's tough i could see network coming from behind to take it honestly but, but Rocky did win oh, director. I don't know. Yeah, Rocky did win director. You're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, Network, though, won actor, actress, supporting actress, and original screenplay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I could, if it was any of them, I could see Network doing it, but I don't know. But then once again, Rocky's also like the clear, if Rocky was a film contending today, I think Rocky would be a, a preferential type of winner. Yeah. You know, so it's really, yeah, yeah it's really hard. The thing about Rocky is I think in the context of 76, it would have won either way, preferential or popular vote, because mm-hmm. it was right after Watergate. And that's why the movie won. It was the hopeful, optimistic, take us out of, you know, the mm-hmm. dark part of the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And no matter how you're voting, people would still respond to that movie. OK, here, here's a good one for you. Here's a good one for you. Mm-hmm. Do we think that on a preferential ballot, Cabaret beats The Godfather? No. Mm. no, no, because once again, I think Godfather is like the preferential esque winner there. Yeah, I think the Godfather still prevails there. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing about the Exorcist over the Sting, but then I was like, but like Bob Fosse won director, it won eight Oscars. Yeah, I know, it was... I know. That's <laughs> the Godfather. I. I no, look, I agree, but that's what I'm saying. Like, do we? Th- I don't know if a preferential ballot might have changed that. It would be like the equivalent of, uh, you know, I mean, in a way, in a way, it is like Moonlight and La La Land to a certain extent, where La La Land yeah. wins six, Moonlight gets three, you know, but Moonlight got the same thing that Godfather got: an acting and a screenwriting yeah. win. Yeah, it's true. Going even further back in 1967, you have the Heat and Heat of the Night winning over The Graduate. Mm-hmm. I think that absolutely probably would have done better with the preferential uh, preferential voting system. Heat of the night would win either way. Oh, yeah, I agree. That's definitely the the middle of the road choice in that lineup. Okay. Um, you know, I think it just goes to show you, though, that the preferential when people think 
like, oh, you know, um, for example, Argo wins under the preferential, but if it was a plural vote, I'm not so sure. I think it's like, I think it's still relatively the same, you know, when you really break it down. Because we do have these other examples and histories passed underneath the old system. So it's like people like to say all the time, oh, under the plural vote, La La Land clearly would have beaten Moonlight. Moonlight only won because of the preferential. And it's like you look at that Godfather Cabaret year and you go, well, are you so sure about that? You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's really, really, really tough to know how much of an impact the preferential has truly had on the Best Picture winners uh, since it has been instituted. And I think, you know, all you have to do is just do what we just did. Go back and look at the past and you'll see that it probably would have been the same winner all the time, no matter what. (laughs) So... In any event, uh, that'll do it for this week here. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for the questions. Thank you, everyone, for the game suggestions. And uh, thank you once again for giving us uh, a lot of fun stuff to talk about uh, this week. Uh, We will be back next week. And also, too, uh, starting this month, uh, we have our 2014 retrospective, which is kicking off with Selma. Uh, We will be also delivering reviews of Ida and Foxcatcher. Um, The goal is to do three 2014 podcast reviews a month. So very, very much looking forward to revisiting some of these movies and giving our thoughts on them. And we hope that you guys enjoy it as well. Michael, tell everyone where they can find you on the Internet. You can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95. Lauren LaMagna. You guys can find me on the Twitter at Lauren LaMango. Bianca Gardner. You can find me at the Film B. And Dan Bear. You can find me on Twitter at DancingDanOnFilm. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 188 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get those exclusive podcast reviews that I mentioned before for our 2014 retrospective, along with some other goodies as well pertaining to Next Best Theater, Next Best Adaptation, and also to Next Best Series, which will be kicking in full swing over the next couple of weeks as more miniseries pop up for this year's Emmys. We thank you so much for listening. As always, stay healthy, stay safe, and we shall see you all. I just thought of so many Scarlett Johansson movies as well. I was like, I was going to go in backwards chronological order with, like, Marvel. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, I was trying to think, like, was she in Iron Man, the first one, or Iron Man 2? And I couldn't <laughs> remember because I don't watch Marvel movies. I got it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can I say The Jungle Book because it was voice work? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I said her. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh. That's her best performance. Under the, under the Skin? Yeah, that's yeah. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why do I... Was... Not, I I was going to go with the other Bolin girl as my next one. Oh, my God. (laughs) So many, so many movies. And I just couldn't. All I kept thinking was Age of Ultron. (laughs) I love that that is the one. That's the first one. (laughs) I just remember her and the Hulk. It's really cute. (laughs) It is cute.